Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> get all my good good reba talk i didn't I, I i thought about pushing it in the middle so i could get the end of it and then i was like it's unfair to record someone's reba talk without their permission that's pretty valid i would maybe be mortified no i'm pretty honest about all my bullshit that's i mean i need to show you the video of the girl dancing to it she's just oh. who i am is who i want to be <laughs> the single mom who works, works too hard loves her kids and never stops Gentle hands <laughs> in the heart of a fighter. Oh, we gotta do the last one. I'm a survivor. I used to like listen to that as a child and be like, yes, you get it. And I was like, I'm like 10 years old. <laughs> I do not I get it. I don't know how it is to be a single mom who works too hard. I am a single mom who works too hard. <laughs> I have gentle hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not even going to segue because I'm so embarrassed that we sang that song. <laughs> We're doing Black Coat's Daughter. <laughs> Speaking of a child who works too hard. a child who works too hard. <laughs> this child does work too hard. This child works very hard. She's and by that child, we mean Kieran and Shipka. <laughs> she's got the tired eyes of someone who's just seen too much. Because she has. Listen, when she is full on possessed and her eyes are like really drawn and like she has the dark circles, I was like, oh, that was me working retail. <laughs> <laughs> That's me now. And I'm oh. fine. I'm <laughs> Everyone? Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. We've done it. We got right into it. We sang oh. Reba. Let's get some facts, I guess. <laughs> okay. So we did Black Coat's Daughter, which... It has another name, mm. February, which is a personal hell for both you and I to say. Yeah, we both say it. We say it how it's how it's spelled, spelled February. February, and it's really fucking. And whenever we say it, we both sound kind of like pretentious, like yeah. February. <laughs> but that's how it's spelled. It's very February. stressful for me because people are like, "Yeah, February," and I was like, "But there's what, another what are you R. Doing? February, February." I say it like that. That's how February. <laughs> You have like an extra little like jaunty A in there and I love it. February. Well, you're not saying an extra word. You're just like enunciating the A in a fun way. February. Yeah, February. This is hell for everyone. (laughs) We all hate this. (laughs) Why? why, Do you remember why it's called that though? You said, because you knew. I kind of know, but I I don't think I know for sure. It's in my nerd corner. Okay. Oh, do you want to wait then? Okay, we'll wait. The director, Osgood Perkins, which you, you already know this, but it's the son of Anthony Perkins. Who? Who? I was about to tell you. <laughs> the only thing I know is that uh, he was in Psycho. Mm. So mm. good was for he? him. Oh, was he? <laughs> what? What? Where? What? Oh, how the turns have tabled. Why are you doing well, this to me? Well, well. I was mean to you one episode, and now all of a sudden I'm getting called out. <laughs> am I being roasted? Am I? Am I being roasted? I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> it was also written by Osgood Perkins. <laughs> The movie premiered in 2015 at Toronto International Film Festival. Mm. Uh, it released on demand in February. February. Uh, on specifically February 16th, 2017. And then it was released, I think, very briefly theatrically, uh, only in the US mm. on March 31st, 2017 by mm. A24. 
Um, I couldn't find any information on this person, but I, I want to look them up just because I really loved the cinematography. The cinematography was Julie Kirkwood, Ooh. Um, which I couldn't get any other like specific things, but I'm going to do a little more research just because... Uh, it was just really good cinematography and i don't know if maybe they like she's worked on other things or i guess they i don't know if they've worked on other things or yeah i don't know i'm gonna look up and do some more more research so this is fun the music was elvis perkins (laughs) also andy perkins son (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it looks like from the research i looked it, it doesn't seem like he does like other movies i think he just has like a folk band like he does like folk music and like writes his own songs and stuff but I actually really did love the music in oh, this. Oh, yeah. So hats off to you, Elvis. Um, good jo- Perkins knows how to make the boys. <laughs> I guess. Good job. Good job, did Perkins. It. <laughs> um, He's dead. He well, from yeah. the grave, maybe. Mm? Who knows? He's like, don't get your He's like, get my name please. out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Why'd you sing that Reba song? Um, okay, He's so also you- a single mom who works too hard. He also has gentle hands and the heart, heart of a fighter. fighter. <laughs> I bet he does. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so I couldn't find the budget. I don't know why. I looked everywhere. could not find their actual budget mm. for this movie. But I found how much it made at the box office for the brief time that it was out. Take a guess. Um, I mean, it was like an indie thing. Mm-hmm. It was also A24, though. Oh, it was A24. Is, you know, they make some good horror movies, but this was 2017. 15 million. Oh, 38,348. <laughs> that was, Listen, you, I don't know why I went with on one. I really don't know why I went with million there. That was <laughs> dumb. You, I thought you were going to say 15,000. I went, hell yeah. She's like really close. And then you said million. And I went, where are we going? <laughs> where are we going with this? I, I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. I panicked. It's a good movie. I get it. Um, It took 23 days to make. Yes. That was, you know, simple. And I have one fun fact that I found. Did you know, uh, Emma Roberts recorded, not recorded, filmed her outdoor scenes during the coldest weather ever recorded in Canada's capital city? No. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently. she really was crying then. So she probably was just like, fuck, it's cold. <laughs> she's like, hate you. They were like, come on, Emma, give us the emotion. And she's like, my eyes are frozen. <laughs> uh, so those are my facts on the Black Coat's daughter. Are you ready for a yeah. one sentence summary? Oh shit. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I think I can do it. Girl hangs out in spooky basement and now she hangs out with the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the gist. That captures the broad story. Yeah, that captures Yeah, it. like yeah. I'm not going to say that her going to the basement is what brings out the devil, but I wanted to make sure I snuck it in there. Famously, the devil is only found in the basement. So. He's in my basement right now. Okay, well, that's why you won't let me there. It's fine if you don't want to, like, share your friends. Well, it's that and my AC leaks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want you to get your little feet wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's that and the demon. But that mostly the, the demon, feet. mostly the feet yeah. thing. Okay, but, yeah, I also just don't want you to meet him. Okay. Fine. You're embarrassing. <laughs> He's, I'm sorry. You sang that Rima song and you made me do it, too. I'm never going to hear I, the end of it. I didn't make you do anything. I don't know. You really pressured me. I'm sorry. Noodle's trying to fit his whole head through the holes in this crate, and it's not going to happen. I heard the noise. Noodle? Are you- no, bud. No, bud. He's got his paw through. No. <laughs> He's just trying to fit his head. Oh, uh, Nothing going on up in that little brain, huh? Just kidding. You smart. So cute. <laughs> okay. I've done my summary. Mm-hmm. That was quick. That I was like quick. these one-sentence summaries. Yes. They, they really help me, personally. <laughs> Uh, it's already time for Nerd Corner. It's not. What? 
Oh, we have to read the real one. <laughs> I like, Sorry, I did such a good job that I was yeah. like, what She's do like, you we don't do? need another one. I don't know. All right, go ahead if you want. But Why would you give a summary when I already give a perfect one? I hope one rude. of these days, I hope that I read it and it just like is in the sun. Like, <laughs> yep. Oh, how Nikki's going to punk me sometime and it's going to be like she pulled up the actual Rotten Tomatoes summary. I'm just like, huh? Huh? Fucking got him. Got him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a long con. I'm going to get a job at Rotten Tomatoes and start writing their their plot synopsis. And I'm going to start being like, I don't know, Kate. I just like got really good at this. I'm also, I'm exhausted from having another job. Don't ask. What are you talking about? All right. Okay. Give me this real one. This is from Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. where uh, Nikki will eventually work. Yeah. And ruin my life. Probably. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so. During the dead of winter, a troubled young woman embarks on a mysterious journey to an isolated prep school where two stranded students face a sinister threat from an unseen evil force. Now, wait, who's making the journey? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to, like, really think about it, and I was like, what the hell? They're already there. And I I love that in this summary, it mm-hmm. doesn't say that it's a nonlinear timeline. I know. Because it's like, Ooh where two straight students face a sinister threat. It doesn't say when. Doesn't say when. It just says where. Oh, they fucking got me. I can't fucking wait to get into the timeline shit. Anyway. I'm excited. That's not what I'm talking about for Nerd Corner, but... Are you, it's time. Are you emotionally ready? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I'm fucking oh. ready. So the unchosen ideas for this Nerd Corner, because mm-hmm. apparently I always start with, well, I could have done, but I didn't. Here's what you're not going to hear. Here's what you don't get to hear about. <laughs> I want the, I basically wrote like a list of like things with a number of question marks after them. Yeah. This was the list. Use of mirrors and horror, oh. themes of isolation, use Ooh. of nonlinear timelines, ah. movies with multiple interpretations. Oh. Yeah. And it's not because they're not fun ideas, but I wanted to put more research into several of them before attempting. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So like, especially like the use of mirrors and horror, that yeah. feels like something that would be like a thesis. Yeah, that's going to be cool. And it's going to take a while to find shit on. And it may have to be like... A case study. Maybe talk about Bella Lugosi's cursed mirror. Ooh, I'd love to. I don't think it's that cursed, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> get to it. Uh, instead, this week, I want to explore the words of the director when he said in an interview that the use of demonic possession was a Trojan horse for the theme of loss. <gasps> yeah. Interesting. Before we get into that, however, oh. I do want to introduce the subgenre of demonic possession and exorcism movies. Yeah. Exorcism. Mm-hmm. I just really blended all those letters together. Exorcism. Exorcism. Uh, so I spent uh, a while basically being like, someone has definitely made a list of components or elements common to all demonic possession movies. Oh, yeah. It took more digging than I anticipated. <laughs> and <laughs> primarily because most of the first page was like listicles, you know, like 23 best exorcism movies ranked. Right. And it's like, that's great, but give me more. Yeah. But what I wanted was an analysis of commonalities across the subgenre. Yeah. Like, it has to have this three thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. what tropes do you see across all of them? Or is it like a list of 20 and it must have at least 10 of them to qualify? But the world doesn't work that way, and apparently neither does the horror subgenre. So after digging for a bit, I found a dissertation, <laughs> as is my you. way, by Charles Austin McDonald II, Whoa. entitled The Devil Made Her Do It, Three Horror Film Case Studies in the Exorcism Subgenre. Oh. This dissertation is nearly 200 pages long, and I'll be oh. honest, I just read the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame you? <laughs> We have full-time jobs. <laughs> we both have full-time jobs. And I am in a new job, and that's I am true. adjusting to it. Uh, mm. So because The Black Coat's Daughter isn't, to me, an exorcism movie, that's right. one reason I did not read the whole dissertation. Right, yeah. It's like a 70-30. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no, well, I guess there is. There is, and I am oh, going to get into we'll that. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. 
So it does have one exorcism, right. but it's not the focus. And I will get into that. Okay. I repeated myself. I got excited. But essentially what I found most interesting in what I read of the dissertation mm-hmm. was that when McDonald outlined their core components of the exorcism genre, they said that it has like seven things. Right. And honest, honestly, hack. Obviously, it's not going to perfectly encapsulate the trends within demonic possession with some light exorcism. It's a starting point, though. Yeah. So with their formulation, a horror film about exorcism should have these seven components. A male in crisis. A female possessed. A parental crisis. A spiritual warrior. A spiritual guide. A continued contest between the home, the hospital, the church, and the state. Hiccup? It must have hiccups. Um, gotta have hiccups. Gotta have hiccups. And then telltale signs of the supernatural with a list of examples. Cold room, smell of something burning, windows and doors opening, objects moving on their own, the possessed speaking in other voices or languages. It also often incorporates the use of spectacle horror, primarily through the contortions of the possessed body, celebration right. of familiar texts, and performance of exorcism. That was all direct quote. Not my words. So the rest of the paper is really focused on the way that exorcism films explore concepts and conversations around like female bodily autonomy. But as I mentioned, a demonic possession narrative that isn't primarily about exorcism, yeah. it doesn't totally fit into this. Yeah. And even with it being about demonic possession, it's not really about that. It features it right. as a device. So if you look at like The Exorcist, that came out around the time of like increasing anxiety around moral decay and second wave feminism. Oh, the women. Oh, scary. So scary. <laughs> I might have to lose some rights. JK, you're not even <laughs> losing rights. It's fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm also not a second wave feminist. <laughs> Uh, there is so, so much to talk about regarding The Exorcist, yeah. but I'm saving that for when we actually cover The Exorcist. Someday. Someday. Oh my God, I cannot believe you just sang Zombies too. Listen. Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was like, I know you love it. Someday. <laughs> Back to this movie. <laughs> Before we sing, we're going to have a musical episode. Uh, so if we measure the black coat's daughter against the parameters set by mcdonald it has a female possessed a Mm -hmm. spiritual warrior kind of kind of a continued contest between the home and the church and some telltale signs of the supernatural and of course some visual spectacles like body contortions i.e rad gymnastics and it also does have an exorcism but i want to kind of baby one just a little it's an exorcism light yeah yeah so I want to dig into those elements because it does have some of the visual trappings of a possession movie, but yeah. not all of the tones. Yeah. Like she does some creepy body horror shit and like voms enormous amounts, Oof. but it doesn't feel like it's primarily about the demon taking control and wrecking havoc. Oh, really? That happens, but it's more about her loneliness and isolation and yeah. loss. And when she kills people, she usually has, like, this single tear running down her face. Oh, yeah. She's not happy. No. So, like, in my reading, there are a lot of different ways it could be taken, but I have two theories. It could be that she knows what she's doing is horrific, but loneliness, especially in the face of her loss of her parents, would be worse. Like, loneliness is the worst of these two evils. Right. I will kill people and have someone with me, or I will be alone. Yeah. And to her, loneliness is worse. Or... It could also be like ecstatic tears where she's like so joyful about knowing that she's going to have this closeness resulting from her actions that like once I do this, I'll never be alone again. So those are just two possible reasons. Which (laughs) makes sense to me. Yeah. So going back to the list, it also has an exorcism, but it's pretty low key. A kindly priest comes in, makes eye contact with the demons like not here. And then the exorcism isn't even, like, the climax of the movie. It's no. uh, a plot point. The most important scene is that, or the most important part of that scene is where she sees the demon I and know. says, don't go. 
That is my one of my favorite parts in the whole yeah. movie. So we see that exorcism as a lead up to abandonment, where it's not about the exorcism and it's not really a big spectacle. No, it's very, very like muted and mm-hmm. it's quiet and it's really short. Mm-hmm. You really don't even see a lot of it. Like they cut away from it while it's happening and cut back to the end, really. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's not the most important thing. And oh. she like briefly levitates a little bit off the bed. Barely, yeah. But like she doesn't tiny... like scream satanic nope. black speech, which yeah, is like, she doesn't yeah. like yell and yeah, she just is like yeah all right yeah and it's just, you caught me it's really sad she says don't go broke yeah. my heart but also i'm like oh yeah <laughs> so this is where i want to expand on what oz perkins said because osgood full name they go by mm. oz mm. or he goes by oz i think uses him friends anyway, uh so <laughs> buckle up here's a direct quote that is two paragraphs long Woo-hoo. so this is from an interview the intention was to tell a sad story for the me the movie is about the end It's about the last moment where Joan is done with everything she thought she had to do in order to feel connected, in order to feel safe and held and feel safe. She did all of these terrible, terrible things only to realize that everything's been lost and she's made a horrible mess of things. It's that emptiness. For me, the movie's about loss. It's about the loss of parents and the feeling of what do you do after. The use of the possession theme, it's like you put a bunch of Greeks in the Trojan horse and you get it past the gates. It's really about the soldiers that you're getting through the gates and not the horse, right? How do you hide the hand in the glove? And so instead of just making a sad story about a girl losing her parents, I could have done that, but you engage with it in a different way if it's a subverted genre. I only wanted to indicate the possession subgenre enough to get people oriented, and then you can kind of do what you want. Once you get the horse through the gates, you can all pile out, if that makes sense. Ooh. Yeah. So like as Oz said, we have the spooky stuff, contorting of the body, ritualistic sacrifice, yeah. a quick little exorcism. But all of that is used to sneak into our brains and like establish this sense of familiarity to do the emotional work within. It's all very subtle. Yeah. The horror itself is quite like it's like like you said it's like a horror movie if you watered it down mm. but kept how scary it is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Most of the horror is about the ambiguity and the sense of disorientation and mm-hmm. confusion and expectation. And I am going to get into that a little bit more in terms. Yeah. For me, at least. Uh, or, like, the disorientation and the confusion, whatever. That's a me thing. But um, I also feel like there is a fair number of movies that do this. We talked about it with, like, readings of The Descent and Ginger Snaps. And we'll mm-hmm. certainly talk about it when we cover The Babadook. Oh, yeah. But uh, basically, I found it really interesting to kind of start with, like, this is what his intention was. This is how some people, like, perceive the exorcism subgenre to be composed yeah. of tropes or elements. And then this is how he used those to tell this story. Yeah. And that goes into the original title of the movie. So as you said, it was originally called February. And his reason for naming it was that there are places of remembered and continued grief, but time can also be a location. Mm -hmm. So it can be a specific date or an entire month, depending. So for Oz, it was called February to recognize the trauma and grief all wrapped up in those several days and the anniversaries after. And when A24 picked it up, they were like, "Mm, too generic. So they suggested other names, and he didn't like any of them. So he scoured the movie for any line or theme he could pick out, and he eventually chose a line from the song that plays yeah. at the beginning and the end. And Black Coat is intentionally vague. It doesn't. It's not like a which historical is interesting term. because yeah, not to interrupt, but yeah. like it does like Black Coat in a way kind of referred to, to, at first to me like was the priest. Yes, 
Because I was like, oh, black coat, like, mm-hmm. he's taking care of her. But then, like, the demon also mm-hmm. is just completely black. So I'm like, well, whose kid is she? Mm-hmm. Like, that was exactly so what he was going for. Well, it's cool that, like, that wasn't even the title and then it just happened to be there and then work. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Oh, yeah. And so, like, he says in his interview, it could be a priest or a demon. It works for both. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hell yeah, I picked yeah, up no, on you it. got that. <laughs> so, anyway, I think diving into the name change does help show how this film is, yes, spooky and atmospheric, but it's only about demonic possession on the surface. Mm-hmm. It's only this supernatural tale in order to get past defenses and orient audiences. And then the Greek soldiers jump out and it's about lost the whole time. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So that's society. That was good. Mm. I, it's weird because, like, I picked up on a lot of those things. But didn't pick up that that was, like, what it's supposed to be. I was just like, oh, wow, interesting. Scary demon, though. Like, and there's a quote by John Green, an author, where he says, like, um, books belong to their readers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, folks can parse that apart how they want. Right. But I think it's interesting that authorial intent matters up to a point. Yeah. And I always find it interesting starting point to see what the director intended. Right. But much like the ritual, yeah, I know what yeah. he was going for, didn't get that vibe, right. read it totally differently. And I don't think it means that our interpretations are less valid. No, I mean, you're still picking up on the same things. Yeah. It's just everyone has different experiences and comes from different backgrounds. So like you're yep. going to take things different. That's just how it is. Yep. Um, But yeah, this one's really interesting because now that i'm like thinking about it i'm like yeah i mean because you the whole time the movie is going you you, it's hard not to feel lonely with her and like even when she's like possessed i i don't want to say i was rooting for her but like i was just like someone take care of her like she's been asking for this the whole time Mm -hmm. and no one gave it to her and I'm just like, oh, man, I know she's possessed, but I'm like, someone, please. That's wild. Uh, okay, I have a question before we get into the yes. horror. What happened to her parents? Because it's kind of vague. Dude. I don't actually know. Oh, did did so. they say or did I miss it? Like, Okay, so I, this, I'm going to say it again in tropes probably, but I am always expecting with like psychological thrillers mm-hmm. that they're trying to bamboozle me. And so the right. entire time, I'm looking out for ways that they could twist it or trick me and be right. like, what would be the most unexpected thing to happen? How do I make this fit that? And so from the beginning, I was like, are these multiple timelines? Right. Or does she have multiple sets of parents? Like, the, yeah. like, So what happened, my understanding based on the reviews and, and like Anthony or uh, Perkins, Oz Perkins. I was like, his dad? I kept thinking, yeah, for some reason I kept thinking Anthony Hopkins. And I was Whoop. like, well, that's a different person. It's different. <laughs> uh, so based on, like, the things he said and the reviews I read, basically, the beginning sequence when you see her, like, in bed... Yeah. ...is a nightmare premonition where she is okay. seeing some sort of premonition that her parents will die. Which is kind of what I thought. Yes. Okay. And then because she has this premonition of future loss, she is so fucking anxious about it. Right. And Which is, she's also... She a good job. <laughs> she's also very attached to father, whatever the fuck, or, like, yeah. the, 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 the headmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, sees him as another parent, but he's like, mm-hmm. you can't fucking live here, and, like, right. I'm going to Albany or whatever, and she's like, how long does it take? Whatever. Right. Um. So she knows her parents are going to die, mm-hmm. or she, like, fears that they will, and then they do in a car accident on they the way do. there. They do. Yes. Okay. That's why, ha- like, the phone call that the sisters answer. It is that, yes. right? Uh-huh. I kind of assume. It's strongly implied, but you never get confirmation. Right. Which is why I was like, I assume that this is the phone call. I assume that it has to do with that. 
because you see, is it the headmaster yes. that comes back? You see, like, the headmaster come back with, like, a police officer. And it's only one, so you know, like, well, it's obviously not for this. And they don't know. So it's yeah. got to be for some kind of yeah. news. So, yeah, I kind of assumed. But I was like, I'll ask Kate just in case I, like, miss something. Because I, you know, I have ADHD. Who knows? It could have just been, like, I missed a whole scene. <laughs> um, But I... I thought so. Yes. Which is kind of what I thought. And I did assume that the first scene was like a premonition. Because she wakes up and I'm like, I don't believe that they're dead yet. But I, I do think they will. Yeah. Ugh. So I had like, as I said, multiple ideas that yeah. none of them panned out. But one of them was that like her parents, like her birth parents did die in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And that's why like when she's in, like before the events of the movie. Right, yeah. And that's why when she's in the headmaster's office and he was like, it doesn't mean anything bad happened. They're gonna be here. And she's clearly very anxious. Like she has been traumatized in right. this way before. Like it's Not something. just that she's lonely and like yeah. a freshman, but that like this is triggering to her because it has happened before. Yeah. And then when she says, now he'll let me stay here. That's like, well, I killed my first parents and like That wasn't it. Maybe I'll kill my second set. See, and I took it a similar but different way where I think her parents were alive. Mm -hmm. And I think she had this vision of them dying in the car crash. And she's with the person next to her who is not – she keeps calling daddy. She's like, Mm -hmm. daddy, like, where's mommy? Like, where's mommy? Mm -hmm. And it's – I kept thinking like, okay – I took it as the person next to her is the demon. Yes. And at this point, she is already possessed. I think she is possessed from the minute this movie, like, begins. Yes. And I think that she knows her parents are going to die and they haven't yet. So I think she's anxious about it and she's not fully, like, fully possessed yet. So she doesn't have that, like, attachment to this person. Like, she know like, this demon. She knows that they're important to her, but she doesn't know to what extent yet. So I think that she's still very upset about her parents and so that, like, leads into her possession yeah. and stuff. And her loneliness is what drives it. And also the part where she's, like, really upset saying, like, don't leave. Like, I don't want you to go. And she says, I don't want you to miss my performance. And I'm like, the performance of her murders. Like, she knew. Ooh. In my mind, it was that she knew she had to do it. And she knew it was going to happen. And she was like, well, I don't want him to go because I want him to see my performance. I want him to see what I can do. And because she knew her parents were going to die. And then she kept saying, now he'll let me live here. Mm-hmm. Knowing she had to do this. Yeah. And so she was like, I don't want you to miss it. And I was like, yeah. oh, you little creepy yeah. demon girl. And that's like one of the things I've written down. It's like, you know, uh, you get like a quick little introductory sequence or whatever. Yeah. With like all of them basically. But like. They get their name, like, across the screen yeah. pretty soon after they're introduced. Yeah. They waited, like, halfway through the movie to give that to Kat. Oh, I know. And I was like, is this because she hasn't been herself until we look very far back? Is it right. because she was just the demon in all these points that you saw her? And only now can we look back and say this is who Kat used when to be? When did they give her the the name? Uh, Do you know? It's, a, ooh, it's, like, halfway through the movie. I This but is why I'm I was going to watch it again. I'm trying to remember what when they give her the name like at what point in her life i think it's when it rewinds it and shows all of the scenes again from her perspective not all of them which i loved oh my god i so maybe she wasn't i think see i think that she was not maybe not possessed from the beginning but i think that she knows it's happening which is why when she says like oh don't you know the two nuns are devil worshipers and she's she's like like, how do you know know that who told you that who told you that yeah i think that she knows about the thing in the basement she knows all about this and she's like hesitant to do anything yeah so she's still herself but she's like inching towards it 
That's yeah. really interesting that they don't yeah. say her name. Yeah. I feel like they waited till then to give her her name because that's when you get it from her perspective uh-huh. and like her slash demon's perspective because previously it had been through the eyes of Rose more or less. Right. Where you do have scenes where Rose isn't present. Yeah. But a lot of it's very like externally focused and like this yeah. is how she's perceived. This is how she interacts with people. Right. But then you get those moments where she's alone and oh. she is alone, alone. Yes. Like she is so fucking lonely and isolated. And so, like, I think they waited until that moment because you finally actually see, like, how she got to this point. And not saying that she wasn't possessed at the beginning because I think she was. Right. The demon was there with her, with her. at the beginning. Maybe not possessed, but, like, yeah. she knew of it. It was yes. there. It, yeah. But, like, this is how she sank into it. 100%. This is how it got it, It's worse. like showing the descent <laughs> yeah. into it. So it's like you never got to see how she, like you said, how she got to where she was. So, like... Oh, I just love it. I didn't even think of that. They give her her name once. It's like, and this is what happened. Yeah. Like, I feel like you know that she's lonely from the beginning, but you don't really get to feel it until it's like, yep. oh, God. And that part where you see her talking to Rose and it's in the corner. The demon is like in the corner. So spooky. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments. This movie had so many good little scary yeah. parts. Rewatch even bonuses. though it's Yeah, yeah. Like, even though it was... A very subtle, scary movie, like we said. It really does have some good scares. Oh, yeah. Not even, like, jump scares, necessarily. Just, like... There's, like, one, I think. There's, like, one or two, and it's not wild. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna get my notes out. It's like when Rose sees, like, all the blood in the hallway, and she, like, turns around, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, stab. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a scene that's actually really similar to that scene in a very classic horror movie. I'll have to look it up, and we can link it, because when I watched it, I was like wonder if this is like an homage to that because that scene that it reminded me of is one of it's always listed as like scariest moments in horror movie history mm. and it is oh my god <laughs> it freaks me out i had never seen it i've never seen the movie but i'm i'm gonna we should add it because fuck it's scary and when she walks out of the thing so fast it that's what it reminds me of i'll yep. send we'll put it in the show notes it's fuck yeah really interesting um Okay, I'll, I'll I'll start with my notes. I'll start with my notes. I have like a few little tiny things that I wrote down. Excellent. I said I loved the music mm. at the start because it feels kind of, and this is throughout the whole movie, the music feels really like childlike. Mm. It's like they took an adult song and then they kind of like mixed it with a little bit of like this synthy weird sound to just make it seem like a, almost like a music box that's just not right. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was so effective because it almost seems so childlike, which shouldn't match what's happening. But then you remember that, like, Kiernan, Kiernan's character, Kat, is, like, he's a child. Yeah. So you're like, I guess it does? Yeah. Oh, it was very odd. The music was very odd, but it worked so well. And it was really subtle. In all these moments, you could just hear it. And there were times where I didn't know if it was, like, playing somewhere and if it was supposed to be, like, a record they were listening to. Because it almost sounds like it's in the background because it's so quiet. But you never really see. It was really interesting. I just loved the music. Um, this part freaked me out and it was really subtle. Uh, the very first part where he's taking her out and she's like, what happened? Like, where's mommy? And they zoom in on the car and you never see like a face or anything. You never really see what you do see is just hair blowing out the window. Oh, that was spooky. It's basically like for people who haven't seen it or, you know, this is a, an audio medium. Uh, it's like a car that has been like, it's been in an accident. And you don't really see any blood or any of this or that. You kind of just see, like, long hair blowing out of the window. And, like, a crushed car. Like, a, in a crushed car. Yeah. So it's very unsettling. Yes. Just because you can't put a face to it, but, you like, you know. It, it kind of forces you to, like, create your own 
what's it look like in that like what's going on in that car yeah. and, and it's worse because then you have to like deal with what you think it is and mm-hmm. it's like oh don't make me do this which is they oh, put mud on my tongue <laughs> which is really funny like juxtaposition to later when they show you the decapitated heads oh, rolling in her suitcase yeah they they did a lot That's of really gross. cool like cutaway moments mm-hmm. and then showing it to you yeah, they did, like, the gory discretion shot, and they're like, yeah. but JK, we're actually going to show it to you now. Which, actually, thank God. Like, oh, I like that, yeah. I, I don't think I could handle it. Like, I think I would have been upset with the movie if they had just shown her, like, chopping a head off. Yeah. That'd be too much for me. Yes. I'd be like, okay, that's, like, come on. Yeah. But because they, like, show her, like, she pulls her hair really mm-hmm. slow up, then she starts to do it, and then they cut away. Yes. I liked that better. I liked that a lot better. And they do the same thing with um Joan, because, mm-hmm. like, she cuts his throat and you see that and you're like oh gross but you never actually see her like cut the head off you see her prepare but then you see the head her like pick it up and put it in the suitcase and you're like oh yeah. gross there's something creepier about just seeing the head and it not being cut off oh god in my notes i had this moment because she goes to their trunk yeah like, she has killed this couple that were helping her turns out it's rose's parents <sighs> rose who she moment. murdered nine years previously right and uh she pulls their suitcase out of the trunk after she murders them and cuts off their heads and she like opens the suitcase squickly like puts their heads in there and i'm just like remembering like the scene from sponge like what do you have in there rocks and it's just like heads heads <laughs> why do you ask <laughs> yeah oh god yeah there um, was the fully in this so juicy oh fully in this was juicy and also just very well done yeah um the stabbing was very wet now okay so i meant to ask because mm-hmm. i also got confused at this rose knows about cat right not rose i'm so sorry joan knows about cat like joan is cat that's what i'm saying yeah joan is grown up or yes. what yeah joan is cat no yeah so cat after she was exorcised she went to a mental institution and then she escaped it by killing someone stole joan's identity and then is going back to try to reconnect with the demon yeah. <gasps> what? You're not the only one that had this confusion. So many I, people. Yeah. See, in my head, I thought that Joan, um, I thought Kat died and then the demon went and found someone else. So you see the uh, gunshot wound in her shoulder when she's taking a shower? It's a really quick cut. You may not have seen I it. I actually looked for this. Okay, so she took she got in the shower and I was looking for a gunshot wound. It's when she gets out of the shower and she's wrapped in the oh, towel I or whatever. Didn't like see it. you see it on the front and then you see it on the back. And then you see, like, her cut shot of remembering being shot. See, I remembered that. And yeah. I was like, oh, weird. Like, I don't I don't know if that was, like, ooh, that was weird. I didn't know. Oh, this. I have to watch this again. Yeah. Holy fuck. I'll watch it again with you. We I have love to watch this, one. this again. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe that I never knew. I've seen this twice. I had no idea that they were supposed to be the same person. Yeah. I thought that this was, like, the demon transferring Jumped. itself, yeah. basically, to Joan. Yeah. And Joan being, basically, having the memories of Kat. And knowing what she had to do yeah. from that. Yeah. I oh. definitely see, like, that was one of my theories until I saw the scar uniting them. I was like, oh, that's the same body. That makes sense. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Which makes this part even funnier and creepier in a way. It was one of my favorite parts in the whole movie is when she has this, like, really quiet talk with the dad. And he's like, in a way, like, I saw God in you. Like, you know, I, I find you to be, like, just like my daughter yeah. and all these things. And then they go to the restaurant and she sees that photo and she goes to the bathroom and full on just goes <laughs> and like laughs. laughs because 
what are the chances? Yeah. What are the fucking what chances? What are the fucking chances? But it was just, that laugh is so genuine. Like, hats off to you, Emma. That was such a genuine laugh. Just like, she sits for so long and not do, doesn't do anything. And then she just goes, <laughs> like, and covers her mouth and laughs. And it's like, Ew. And there are so many ways that you can read that in that moment. And so it's like, upon remembering it, you're like, okay, I can imagine why she laughed. Because it's like, what are the fucking odds? Right. But in that moment, you're like, is she demon possessed right now? No, she's not. She's not. She's trying to reconnect the demon. And so it's like, this is just her broken ass self reacting to this moment of like, what are the fucking chances? She's genuinely just surprised. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh my God. And so, yeah, this movie means so much. It, it feels so different now that I yeah. know that the sense of loss and stuff feels so much that last scene it hurts so much more now yeah. because at first i was just like oh that's sad that she wanted what cat got and she couldn't get it and now i'm like she wants what she already had yeah. that makes the don't go moment hurt so much more and yep. feel so much worse oh my god you ruined it kay what have you done i was living in bliss not I'm knowing spreading my pain i can't believe that okay i'm gonna move on or i'll talk about it forever um i loved this moment, uh, it's very early on in the beginning. And I don't, I, I'm assuming it's when she's like seeing the demon, but it's not a moment. I don't think it is. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's a moment they show when they like show things from her perspective, you know, cat mm -hmm. in the moment when she's in the office and she like stares off into the distance and she smiles. I was wondering the same thing because I feel like that's like when I was reading a review, someone's like, oh, and then they go back to the office and you see the demon. I don't think they actually think show they that part. They don't. I, Cause I waited for it. Yeah. I was like, oh, they'll, probably show that because i love it because she smiles very subtly and he goes and usually when this happens in like horror movies and this is really maybe i'm wrong but when it happens in horror movies usually it's like ignored so like if someone in a movie looks away and smiles and they go oh what are you looking at and they go oh nothing usually the person who asks is just like all right whatever and breeze whatever. past it but i loved it in this one she says like oh what and he goes you smiled a little like he was like i'm gonna ask yeah what the fuck are you doing you yeah. smiled and she goes did i and I'm like, what's up? And they don't. So there was an interpretation. Do you? Sorry. I no, that was you. it. There was an interpretation I read on like Screen Rant, I mm -hmm. think. And they were saying that like the film uses Satanism to point out issues within the church mm -hmm. and like the regimentation of like women's bodies, like et cetera. Right. And like in this moment, it's showing like how controlling the church is mm -hmm. over women's bodies and right. saying like, you smiled. Why did you smile? Like, that doesn't make sense to do. And so, like, right. when you see that Rose is pregnant and, like, that's another, like, rejection of the church's, right. like, imposition on her body. And so, like, this reading I felt was too generous and doesn't really – like, I don't think – like, they just had a different reading. They had a different right. reading. And I don't totally agree. I, like, want to accept that it's reading, like but I it's want not to, I But it feels like – It doesn't feel like a rejection little... of the church. It doesn't yeah. feel like – I feel like when they're looking for it, like, they built a good argument. I just don't think it's a strong argument. Right. And it's like, I would love it if that's yeah. what this was. I'd be fine if that was um, like <laughs> – I will say one of the – I did enjoy that, like, it's not as <laughs> – this is a fun word I'm going to use. It's not as demonized, this moment of being, like, <laughs> possessed and with the devil. And mm -hmm. that it's really not quite as, like, intense and shunned as, like, other movies about, like – the demon and like devils and this stuff like that and like satanism this one is a little more just like eh, well yeah. it happens like you know yeah. like it's weird it which i 
It's like, even though she murdered people, and that's disgusting, I do appreciate that they weren't like, we're going to make the devil just ugh, the horrible bad guy. Yeah. They made loneliness and lost the bad guy in this, yeah. in a way, sort of, where it's like, people will do a lot of things when they're yeah. alone. So, yeah. again, good job. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, I said I really liked the cinematography. Mm. Um, every scene in every moment felt like an eerie photograph. They lingered on moments just long enough that, like, if you just paused it, it would look like, like a like a photo. It's really funny you say that because uh, Osgood in one of the interviews mm-hmm. says, "I'm really interested in portraiture. Laugh if you want, but I really appreciate portraits of these moments." And, like, you literally just encapsulated what he was saying I, in that interview. I'm, I think Oscar and I were meant to work together. Listen, um, are you listening? Hit me up. He wants to work with you. I Listen, I've always wanted to be a cinematographer. I mean, hit me up. I, I would love to work with you. <laughs> uh, did my entire college, you know, final show on photos that look like cinematography mm. stills. So. Incredible. But, yet yeah, that, that's, that's what it felt. <laughs> me trying to get a job. But, <laughs> but that's what it felt like. It felt like it was just, like. If you had paused this at any part, it could have been a photo. Yeah. Which is hard to do. <laughs> like, it's hard to just make every moment count so intense like that. Like, intensely. Like, I thought it was really great. And I liked it also because it was so wintry. Which, duh. Like, it's a very... It's it's what? It's in February. Um, <laughs> so it's very... It's winter. And it's it's up and I think it's supposed to take place like deep in Maine. Deep in Maine. It's supposed to like take place in... New York. Upstate is it New, New York, York? Upstate I New York? I think. Okay. Well, maybe it's Maine. I don't know. No, I think you're right. It's upstate New York, I think. Um, but obviously it gets very, very cold there. Um, and when you get wintry scenes like that, you obviously don't get like a ton of color. And I think they did a really cool job of almost making all the scenes look like with Kat in the, like in that whole moment of her being there with Rose, it almost looks black and white. Yeah. There's like no color. And the only color you do get is like deep oranges, reds. Yes. And I mean, you know, to be like evils here, like (laughs) in a way, a really subtle way to just be like, it it creeps in. And then the scenes you get with now I know fucking Kat Older cat, Joan. Joan. The scenes you get with Joan. Uh, they're a little more colorful. A little bit. Not a lot. Um, they're like, they're like muted, faded old kind of colors. Almost to show like, which I didn't fucking know until now, that like she's grown up and like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, except that like the colors in this were very, very pretty. Yeah, <laughs> they were because like when you do a movie like that with such muted colors any color you do is going to stand out yeah so you do have to use it very very well because you know even if you accidentally put someone in like a green coat they're going to stand out and it's going to make you think it means something Mm -hmm. so you got to make it mean something and i thought they did i thought they did really really cool stuff with like the lighting and that was it really for my notes was just flashbacks i loved the flashbacks i thought they were spooky Mm. but also not overly spooky yeah. So it's not like you see this creepy demon like hunched in the back. It's really just there. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's there. Cool. Didn't realize. Yeah. Um, and then when she says, don't go, it is so sad. It's heartbreaking. She just turns and she doesn't say it like, don't go. It's just, really just, don't, don't go. go. Like, please don't go. Yeah. I, oh my God, it broke my heart. Oh, Even yeah. though it was a demon. I was yeah. like, this girl needs someone. She's pleading the entire movie 
to Rose saying, you were supposed to take care of me. Yeah, you were supposed to stay here. You said you would take care of me. Like, you, like they said you would take care of me. And she just doesn't do it. Yeah. And it's like, you can't even be mad at Rose. No, absolutely Because not. Rose is going through her own hell. Right. And then, like, that moment where she's finally like, I got my period. Oh, I I'm know. not pregnant. And then she fucking dies. I, oh my god. When that happened, it was just like, oh, such a bummer. It was such a bummer because, like, it's just this thing she's waited for. And she was so ready to be happy. Oh, Rose. I feel like so much of this movie and, like, the tension was created through, like, dread, through, like, disorientation and confusion. Mm -hmm. Because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm always waiting. Like, I don't want someone to get a twist over on me. Like, I Uh, want uh, to be able to predict it. Right. Fucking am. And so the entire time... (laughs) God, I was like, what if it's, oops, all murderers, and, like, everyone was a murderer, and so, like, when... Rose is like, I have a knife! Yeah, I have a knife, too, and it's, like, the Spider-Man <laughs> meme where they're all they're just pointing yeah. they're just with knives. <laughs> and so, like, that scene where it's Rose talking to her friend, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, you know, he should help, like, it's part him, too, and she was like, well, yeah, blah, 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 and it's like, they literally never say... That it's a human boyfriend. They never say it's a human baby. I was like, what if she's what demon if? spawned? And then she hangs out with her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And then it's actually like, no, no, no. They were just talking around it because right. it's a hard conversation to have. But I was like, I was waiting for every single fucking conversation. And I'll get into one of my other wild theories and tropes. I'm saving I that I love one. these wild theories. This one's going to be interesting. But I am. Oh, my God. Well, see, and that's now we can finally talk about it. The time was so cool. They never tell you what time it's like. Never tell you time it is. What yeah. time is it? What is it? They they don't tell you what's going on. So the whole time that Joan's doing her thing, I was like, oh cool. Like she also like maybe in my head I was like, oh she's like possessed by the same demon. Because mm-hmm. obviously in this one I knew, but like my first watch of this movie, I was like, oh she's probably possessed by like the same demon and mm-hmm. it's calling her to this central location mm-hmm. that is the spooky boiler room. Yes. So my thought was like cool like she just has to get there and she'll meet up with kiernan and they'll have a little demon high five i don't know um but then she gets that photo and he says like yeah nine years ago and i'm like nine years yeah what in my notes but okay what nine years nine years i thought he would be like oh like a year ago like this and i'd be like um excuse me and like another one of the like theories that i had was when you see the parents Mm -hmm. And you see the car, you see flowers in the back seat. And I was like, are they on their way to see her recital? Oh, my God. Is this how her parents die? Is That's Joan I who thought. kills her parents? I thought it was, yeah. I thought Joan was going to be the one that killed her parents. Me too. JK, it's her. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, like, that's why her parents never called. And they're both kind of possessed by, like, the same demon type thing. And, yeah. And that's why it needed to get rid of her parents mm-hmm. to, like, get her and mm-hmm. have, you know. But even weirder. It's fucking cat. Like, it's fucking cat. Which, they got me. They clearly got me because I've seen it twice and I didn't fucking know. I'm so mad that they got me. We're rewatching this scene. Oh, yes, we are. I had to buy it on Amazon. So listen, we'll we'll pop that on on, and we'll look at this. I know, I tried. It wouldn't let me log on. Boo hiss. It's my own fault. Um, But yeah, that that was it. Uh, Oh, do you want to do favorite scary moment? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. So my favorite moment, scariest moment, Mm -hmm. which I wrote down and I was like, no, thank you. Um, it's when she is in the, the boiler room. And she's bowing. 
No, actually. Ooh, we have different boiler room scenes. Okay. Is the bowing scene's like terrifying. The- yeah. It, it's when she uh, is confronted by the police officer. And the police officer is like walking towards her and he's terrified. You can hear it in his voice because he just found all these murdered people. And he's like, I am not ready for this. So he's like, he's just repeating, like, drop the knife, drop the knife. He's got his gun pointed at her and she is walking towards, I'm like reenacting it for poor Kate. He's like walking towards him with her arms kind of limp. Like slow Laura slow, her arms up. Yes. She's like very slowly putting her arms up and her face is like kind of tilting from side to side. Not dropping the knife either. Not dropping the knife. Her eyes are like so sallow and she just looks sick. And she's very quietly starts being like, hail Satan. And it's almost not her voice yeah it does like the it does that like yeah. double kind of voice thing and it's very subtle she just keeps saying like hail Satan," and then she lifts her arms up and it's like she's gonna say it one more time and then she just goes <gasps> and like screams and before she can fully like scream it cuts i think he you hear like a gunshot i think yeah. and it cuts away yeah. but what's creepy about it is that like because it cuts away so quick there's that brief moment where her face just doesn't quite look right and i'm like was that her face? Was that the demon? Like, mm. she just didn't look. And the scream is unholy. Like, yes. it is, it does Literally not sound human. It, because it, it, it's not. I don't think it is, obviously. But it's such a scary scream. It's like this weird build up, like, Wah! like, yeah. I hated it. It it shook me to my core. I was on my couch, like, no, like I don't like that. It's like tortured soul screaming. Yes, I was her. like, stop. Yeah. And it was just so, it cut so fast that you don't even get to see it. And you're just like, what happened to that cop? What happened to her? What's going on? My, that was mine. My scariest moment is when she's in the boiler room or whatever Ugh. the fuck. She's in front of the furnace. And so you see Rose like peeking up mm-hmm. over the edge. I'm just like, you know, you're going to see Kat doing some weird shit. But what I didn't expect was the way her body moved. Just so fast. Because it's so fast, but so controlled. And it's like, how do you move that quickly mm-hmm. and fluidly? Oh, it was so scary. At the same time. And it's like something is animating her fucking body. Because she's it's... not just bowing slowly. It's no. like this rapid, but very oh, smooth. God. Oh, it's fucking terrifying. It is so creepy. If you haven't seen this and you're just listening to uh, like us describe it, we're not doing these justice. No. Like, Kate's right. That was my second scariest moment is oh my god i did like a big old no thanks (laughs) yeah it was those two moments really freaked me out the bowing especially just because like it's so controlled and not right but her scream just haunted Mm. me Uh, another contender for this was the really really subtle moment where she is like sitting there getting the checkup with the nurses and she like touches her and she's like keep your hands off me you gun yeah and she says it's so quiet it has the double and then it kind of like smiles and i'm like what's she gonna do like and i knew yeah. what she was gonna do and mm-hmm. i was still upset that was another part when she says cunt like yeah the double speech comes yeah. in yeah. and she's so happy to say it she's like yeah she looks so proud of herself like she's just like yeah don't fucking touch me yeah oh my god i love this movie <laughs> oh it's like yeah i okay does this mean it's time for tropes it is time for tropes oh, i'm excited i because like i well clearly i'm on a wavelength with our good friend osgood mm-hmm. osgood mm-hmm Okay, I don't know why in my head I was like, Oswell? <laughs> well, good and well are both, you know. <laughs> He's well and good, and I love him, and I want to work with him. Listen, now I'm questioning everything I ever thought I knew. You looking it up? Oh, I'm looking it up. I wrote it down. It's Osgood. Osgood. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> well, I got hire me. I'll get your name right. <laughs> uh, okay, first trope, mm-hmm. Beneath the Mask. Mm-hmm. So this trope is all about faces, literal and figurative. Rose has this haughty and detached confidence about her, Mm -hmm. but then you see some genuine concern for Kat. And then that concern shifts to be about her safety around Kat. Yeah. (laughs) But still, this, like, mask of confidence and composure falls, and you realize she doesn't have it all figured out. 
And you know that through her conversation with her friend mm-hmm. about the pregnancy and everything. But it's like especially sobering when you have that um, like flashback. Is the picture day? Yeah. Okay. So I love that moment. When you first have this picture day moment, she's walking in. She it has like this queen bee introduction. Yeah. But without like the gaggle of admirers. Right. It's and just like her. the shitty comments. Like mm-hmm. she's not shown like putting other people down, shitting no. on those beneath her. But she is, you know, gorgeous. And right. she's like walking in, like in control. And like mm-hmm. the way she like smooths her like issued skirt yeah (laughs) she does it so effortlessly yeah and then she like turns at the exact right angle and he doesn't have to like maneuver her head and like her shoulders like the way all of them are gonna deal with and then she just flashes this perfect smile and you watch it build like it starts off like closed mouth and then just full-on beautiful yeah and that's actually the moment i realized that's madame roberts (laughs) 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 oh my god (laughs) that's pretty far Kate has this really fun thing where she can't tell celebrities apart. I really can't. I can't wait to talk about. God, there's so many of them. There's so many of them. We'll get to it someday. I cannot wait. You cannot tell celebrities apart. I can't. Who's the one that you especially have to? You thought Ryan Gosling. You confused him for himself. I'll be like, oh, wait. No, uh, that's funny. I thought he was the guy from La La Land. And like, no, he is. And And I was like, like, what? He is. (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. no, no, no. The other one. (laughs) She thinks Ryan Gosling are two different people. I do within thinking they're the same somehow yeah i don't know what's wrong absolutely hysterical i have a really hard and time with it jake gyllenhaal and you really can't figure out jake gyllenhaal i really can't he looks just like the guy from Bly manor he does he does look similar but <laughs> kate will just look the photos. kate looks at photos of them and is just like same man <laughs> and it's oh it's so funny so yeah i'm not surprised that you didn't know that these three were and i mean and obviously, in your defense, they are supposed They're to supposed look They're supposed to look similar. And I feel like, okay, so Lucy Boynton and Emma Roberts have very similar noses. Oh, they look so similar. Their jaws are very different. Like, yeah, uh, Emma Roberts has, jaws. like, the more triangular, mm-hmm. like, pointy chin. And right. then uh, Lucy has the more square jaw. Yep. And so, like, their jaws are very different. And so I kept having this moment. I was like, that almost doesn't look like Emma Roberts. Because <laughs> it's not Emma Roberts. <laughs> It's simply not. It's just not. And that's why it doesn't but, look like her. But that's the thing. They did a great job with the casting yes. because all three of them look similar and they're all supposed to be different visions of themselves. Because yeah. like Joan is supposed to be Cat. Cat is supposed to be Joan. And then I'm doing a little song for you. Cat's supposed to be Joan. And then, I mean, and then Rose is supposed to resemble Joan so that he can look at her and say, you look like my daughter. Yes. So, Hats off to everybody here. You tricked Kate and you kind of tricked me because in the beginning I was like, oh, I forgot that Emma went to the school. And I went, no, she didn't. Like, her character doesn't go to the school. Yeah, so hats off. You almost tricked Nikki. You, you don't get any me. credit for tricking me. <laughs> you would have got her anyway. You could have put, like, a man in there and I've been like, mm, that's Ryan a different Gosling. look for Emma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I'm sorry. It's that fella from La La Land. God. I've never seen La La Land. Um, <laughs> So anyway, this moment when you see it again, because mm-hmm. later you get these series of like flashbacks and it's not like flashbacks, it's like replays where it's like, yeah. let's rewind, but show you from a different angle or yep. let's take the scene five seconds longer. Right. And so in this one, you see like the smile falling yeah, and she just like is full of like despair and worry. Yeah. And it's just, you realize like even with connections to other people, she feels alone and she yeah. feels scared. And she and Kat aren't so different, except, like, the whole, like, murdering thing and, like, welcoming a demon to your body thing. thing. That is a difference, notably. But it's, like, this really, like, mass-dropping moment. 
And I think it's even interesting that it's not like the moment where you realize Rose is a person because that comes way after all of her other humanizing yeah, moments. It's it just really another does. moment of depth and yeah. sadness. It just shows that like, so she was just as lonely. It just, yep. I mean, she hit it a little better. Like, yeah. you know, she had a boyfriend, she had her friend and she kept making those jokes. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to hang out with you freshmen. Like, like, she probably would be, like, great if she hung out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would have been friends with Rose. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds great. <sighs> okay. So, the next trope. Mm-hmm. My God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. This is tied into Villainous Breakdown. Mm-hmm. So, we see this at the very end when Cat yeah. is at the crossroads. And which I was like, crossroads, that's where you summon a demon. That's that where you make deals. True. And so, like, I was, I thought they were setting me up. I thought I was calling it. I was not. Tricked you. But basically, she's like, she leaves the basement. She's like, I presented these two demon heads, or these two human heads as a sacrifice to my demon. I put on blush over the blood spatters. I looked my Sunday best, and he didn't welcome me back into his arms. He's gone, and I am alone, and I have done everything that I've done, and it's been for literally nothing. And it's like the, my God, what have I done moment is often used for, like, this well-intentioned person that is misguided or misinformed or by circumstance they do evil things. So it's either, like, a tragic hero, a tragic villain, or an anti-villain. Yeah. But in this case, it's really up to the viewer's discretion on how she falls into that because I would see her as a tragic villain where it's, like, you understand how she got there. It does not justify Mm -hmm. anything that she's done, but you also do feel bad for her at the end. 100%. I mean, even when she's, like, leading up to what she has to do to, like, the the parents, she looks devastated. I think even she is unsure if it's going to work. Yeah. Like, at that moment. I feel like this is just, like, like, her last-ditch effort. Yeah. Because she even, like, hesitates before she kills them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, she doesn't look... It's not like she's excited to do it. No, and she throws up after she kills them. Yeah. And it's just, like, the first time she did it, I mean, she was possessed, but, like you said, she had that tear... And I wonder if it's just, like, she still didn't really want to do it. Yeah. But she knew, like, this is how I stop being alone. And now she's older. Yeah. And so she's, like, has a little more – she's got some years to, like, think. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just, like, she, she still thought, like, this is the only way to not be alone. But I, I really don't want to do it. And, like, oh Yeah. So, it's a really sad moment. <laughs> yeah. And, like, this is the moment that, like, makes the movie for yes. the director and for a lot of people. It's, like, this crashing realization. Mm-hmm. And, like, you also question, like, her agency throughout, as we talked about. And, right. like, she just has this utter hopelessness. And, like, she's confronted with everything. And there, to me, there's these dual realizations of, I am alone. Mm-hmm. And I will be alone. And everything was for nothing. And I've done horrible things. Oh, yeah. And so it's just, like, Ugh. Not it's just a gut hor- punch. like, and not just the horrible things that she's done, like now, I like just, the horrible uh, yeah. things that she did, like years and years ago, yep. because the demon left then, like yeah. she hasn't had it in so long. Oh my god! To think that she went through her whole life thinking that like that time in her life when she was with that demon is the only time that she yeah. felt not alone is horrible. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I get me. Oh my god! I know it's like a little repetitive, but I'm just like this moment. Jesus Christ! Anyway, it's great. I love that moment uh, in the way that it, like, breaks my heart into pieces. Uh, and now we know it was fucking cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we know it was coldest, very cold yeah, there. Yeah, so uh, good job. So I'm going to read you the, like, first two paragraphs mm-hmm. of this um, tropes explanation. Yeah. Uh, so it's called Replacement Goldfish. Oh. 
So it's a cliche and truth in television that when a parent finds their child's goldfish or other beloved pet has died, they'll try to replace it with a new one and pretend the original pet never died. The replacement goldfish trope is when a character follows this line of thinking to fill in the emotional void of a loss they've suffered. Yeah. In realistic settings, this could be an orphan taken in by a parent who has recently lost a child. In a sci-fi setting, this typical trope is the lonely scientist who creates a robot, android, artificial intelligence, or clone in the image of the deceased. Often it's a robot girl, or robot spouse, or robot kid, <laughs> in the case of a dead child. <laughs> if the new goldfish is unlocked and lucky, they constantly have to live in the shadow of the dead person, and they feel like they can't measure up, which yeah. can also be secret disappointing, etc., etc., etc. I realize that the rest of it is not actually really relevant, except, <laughs> except... I told you I'm always waiting to be bamboozled. I think that people are out to trick me in yeah, movies. Yeah, you bamboozled. And so I like spin on all these wild theories to be like, Haha, I'm going to beat you at the pass. Anyway, so one of my theories was that everyone's actually like a murderer. That one didn't pan out. But then in within that theory was another yeah. one. Oh. And it was that Bill and Linda, well, mostly Bill, they pick up Joan because they're like, you look like my daughter. Yeah. And... Linda never wants Joan there. Never. And it's not because she's filled with grief. No. It's because she knows what Bill's going to do. Bill is trying to, um, one of two things, replace her daughter, oh. by, his daughter, by like, I'll keep you in my basement so you can never leave me again. Oh, God. Or I'll sacrifice you to get my daughter back. You look just like her. That's the oh, same thing, right? God. So like to me, when Linda is talking to Joan, she was like, he told you about our daughter. Did he tell you this? And then like, they always look like it and like I don't I can't see or like I don't see her. Right. And there is like this moment where I was like, is she like sixth sensing something where she's like, I don't sense her in you or like I don't right. see what he sees. You don't look anything like my daughter or is it like I don't want to see you because I know my husband's about to kill you or like collect you as a living doll. Because it's like what if he collected girls that looked like his daughter to right. feel less alone and to fill the void? That was oh, an interpretation God. I had. Didn't That's happen. Such a sad theory. Turns out oh, he's just God. actually a nice man. I, I kind of had the same vibe, too, about the mom, about, like, I wonder if she can just sense that this is, like, Joan is not the right. Like, she's, something's not right about yeah. Joan. Like, um, I wondered if she, because she says, like, I can't see anything. Like, I, I don't see this. Like, yeah. no, sorry. And, and she even describes the time that she did see it with just, like, a kid in the grocery store who, like, didn't really resemble her daughter, but just had a moment of, like, what she does and like that moment where linda's talking about like she says you know she was like young whatever and like she was so cold and her knees were red and then the details get closer and closer and stranger yeah. she's like her hair was in a ponytail and i saw it pull at the roots behind her ears i was mm -hmm. like and then you killed her you like what did you do did next you do? like what did you do because in that moment i was like oh she's in on it she's helping her husband right. kidnapped girls that yeah. look like her daughter and then she doesn't she say like it fades or something like that like yeah she just so. stops fucking talking and so it's just like all these moments where i think it's very intentional that they're trying to say this is sinister and then it's not right i see i read it as like all those things that she describes about that girl in the grocery store are so simple yeah but like could be any kid yeah but they just like gave her memories of Rose, like just little tiny things. Yeah. But this girl, who genuinely does look so much like her daughter, she's like, I don't see it. I don't because see I it. think she knows. She I think knows. she's like, I sense something. Mother's she's intuition. Not right. Exactly. Yeah. Like she was like, there's something not okay. And she has this weird instant dislike of Joan. And I'm like, oh, for good reason. Um, and I, I wondered if it was just supposed to be like, 
a mother knows like that's not mm-hmm. they don't trust you <laughs> so because even with all those small details she noticed she didn't notice that this girl looks just like her fucking daughter like i don't know but yeah that was an interesting one yeah Hmm. Those are my tropes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I only chose three because I wanted to like go into the more right. Yeah, the more detailed. Yeah. Now we have to decide how to rate the movie. I have some ideas, but I want to hear yours too. <sighs> okay. I see. I always think of mine on the spot. Okay. 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 So I don't really like haven't planned yet. Uh, furnace heads. Okay. That's Decapitations. One, yeah. Right. Uh, steak knives. Oh. Uh, non-linear timelines. <laughs> 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 the non-linear timelines is good. Uh, good chicken noodle soup. Uh, unnoticed bullet hole wounds. I didn't even fucking see it. Uh, unnoticed bullet hole wounds. I didn't even see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> Two watches and I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess those are my only two, really. Um, you know. What was the chicken soup one? That's the thing that they always ate at the restaurant with Rose. Yes, I remember And he's now. like, this okay, place is okay, okay. famous for a chicken soup. And you know me, I fucking love soup. Yeah. So they said soup. You and clocked I lo- the soup, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I can always do, Kate. Clock the soup. I'll always clock the soup. Yeah. Can't clock the dick. We mm-hmm. talked about that. No. But all, people who haven't heard the other episode oh, no. where I couldn't clock a dick are now like, what the fuck is happening? American Werewolf in London, friends. I didn't clock it. I there didn't. was one and I never even saw it. But I clocked the soup. You clocked the soup. I love it very much. Um, I really liked Furnace Heads. Furnace Heads? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was nice. Or Furnace Bows. Ooh, Furnace Bows. Ooh. Take a bow. Listen, um, I'll leave this up to you. So I've liked them all. Okay. Yeah, I see. Let's do Furnace Bows because okay. it really uh, scared you and that's fine. Yeah, it scared me a lot. <laughs> okay. I think it's mine. I think it is. I think I went first for okay. the other one. I want to give this four Furnace Bows. Okay. Because... Uh, when I read the interview with Osgood, basically he says, like, I get annoyed when directors leave too much work to the audience. And mm-hmm. so to me, it's about balancing and, like, leaving a lot to the audience. Well, he said so many things. Every, when I, I was reading it, I was like, Nikki's going to fucking love this shit. What the hell? <laughs> I'll think, send you the article. Am I Osgood? Are you Osgood? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Send me the article. Osgood, are you out there? I love you. Uh, so I would give it four because I, like, I want to rewatch it. Yeah. And it like it doesn't feel spoiled by knowing like the scares because no. there aren't really a ton of jump scares. Not really. And if they are, they're not really demon related. They're just like normal things yeah. or that one moment, which I'll send you the clip. Mm. And it's just such like an atmospheric movie. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. I don't know. I liked it a lot. Yeah. For. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I agree. I'm going to give it. Four and a half. Oh. I was going to go five, but I'm going to watch it again. And then okay. I'll, I'll decide further. But I'm going to say four and a half because I've seen it twice and you still told me things that I didn't pick up on. I mean, yes, I am an easily distracted gal, but still, like, there's so many subtle moments that I feel like this has such a good rewatch bonus that, like, I would recommend it to people, even if they had, like, already seen it. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, watch it again. Like, yeah. Because there's so many parts that I just didn't quite notice because they're so fast or they're so subtle Mm. but then when you do pick up on it finding out that cat is joan Mm. that changes this whole movie Mm -hmm. for me so like i thought it was good before and now i have to look at everything that i thought about the movie in a different way because i didn't know yeah and i'm sure people probably picked up on it and like maybe i'm a rare person who didn't but if you didn't and you watch this 
that's just, I don't know. It was super interesting. When I read reviews, a lot of people like in their summary had like factual information wrong. And uh-huh. I was like, that's weird. Like whatever. I've only seen it once. Maybe I'm wrong. But then like a lot of people separate from that also had very different interpretations. Right. And in one of the like most commonly searched things about the Black Goat's daughter is is Joan Cat. Okay. So a lot of other so people, lot of people had that. Also oh, yeah. Were. So and that's and that's I mean. I think that's cool, though, for the director to make it subtle enough that, like, you kind of have to wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once you do find out, there's really no question. Yeah. I Which th- is kind of the nice thing. I think I do want to take mine up to four and a half furnace bows. Because after you start reading, it was like, why am I taking anything away from it? Like, what does it not have? And to me, I think that it had a really good balance mm-hmm. of, like unknown and unexplained right and that frustrates the shit out of me and so i get like annoyed you but then do I was like, get it, yeah i appreciate it though yeah. <laughs> and so like, and, yeah and i i think the only reason i'm not giving it five is just for like simple qualms where i'm like i i don't love when people paint satanists yes. and like the devil is like this horrible horrible figure yeah. who causes you to do human sacrifice because that's not accurate that's not what satanists um, believe that's <laughs> not what satanists believe but, I, I mean, they did create a really great story and the whole thing that you talked about in the beginning where, like, that's just the exterior. Mm. If you look closer, the real, like, evil here is just loss and feeling alone. Yeah. Which is something I think so many people can relate to. Like, you mm-hmm. don't need to be possessed to feel lonely. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so they made, like, a horror movie that so many people could, like, relate to while yeah. also being terrified of what's happening. And that's just really cool. And... You know what? Like, Osgood, what's up? You, everything I said, I was like, oh, the photograph thing? That is something I love in movies. And like, I, oh, I, I'm so happy that he also said that. Because like, I immediately article. was like, yeah, that, it looks like photos. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a cool thing if you have a movie where like you can pause it and it just looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another movie that's similar, that gave me the similar vibes to this where every moment felt like just so beautiful. Is it I am the pretty thing that lives in the house? Because that's also him. Is it? Yeah. I actually don't like that movie. I haven't oh, seen it. Oh no. I haven't seen it. I have to rewatch it because I think I watched it at a time where I, I was a lot younger and I hated it actually. <laughs> Even though it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, I didn't like it. But Fair. it was actually um I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, I have not seen that. Oh, it's weird. Yeah. It's incredibly strange, but it is one of the most beautiful, huh. like, beautifully shot movies I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I just, it's gorgeous. It's same, same wintry kind of vibes, mm. but like, it's just beautiful. <sighs> it's got my girl, Tony Collette. So like, I'm in, uh, you got yes. me, but it's just weird, but also it is gorgeous. So like, it gave me similar vibes to this because one, it was winter, but two, every moment that you pause could have been in something that you could hang on your wall and it would be like a beautiful scene. So yeah, four and a half. Excellent. Uh, yeah. That adds up to nine furnace bows. Yeah, furnace bows. That's what I was like. I almost said basement bows, and I was mm. like, could have worked. Different, but the furnace Different. is important. Right. You've got to get that furnace. You've got to get that furnace. furnace. Yeah. So that wraps up our discussion? Yeah, I think yeah. so. That wraps up our discussion of the Black Coat's Daughter. If you enjoyed your time with us, even with our singing. Sorry. Reba. I'm leaving the Reba in. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> just true to who we are. I feel like it would be lying to take it out. Unless it's a copyright issue, then okay, I guess we're taking it out. I'll fight him. Fight him. I'll fight Reba with my own hands. 
Uh, so if you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps other people find us. And it also just makes us feel really good because we love reading what you say sure. and like what parts of the show you enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's just great. heartwarming and it's really, really helpful. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Just Cool With It on both of those. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week so that you can watch it in advance if you want to. Um, we will also generally post where you can find it. Yeah. As best as we can. pay for it. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll keep watching movies where it's just streaming somewhere. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we pick them and then we're like, oh, no. We're like, oh, (laughs) heck. But yeah, we'll try. Yeah. And check out our extended show notes on our website, Mm -hmm. justcoolwithitpod.com. Or maybe even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Just not to brag, but we had a little watch thing where we watched Trolls 2. Oh, God. Troll 2 is wild. So, you know, you can get in on that. We got a good, good Discord. We do. We'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our existing patrons. They exist, and they support us, and we love and them very great. much. And they watch Trolls too with us. <laughs> and their names are <laughs> Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, and Beth. Thank did you. It. Did you it did well. it. Thanks, y'all. I love and them. Love them so much. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Racazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. Who? <gasps> That's me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now take a bow. Just no, wait. The- <gasps> Did you ball kiss? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bow, but kisses are way better. Well, that's because you cut me off in XX with the kiss kiss. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, bow bow. No, bow bow. <laughs>